Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 175. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Cav Temperley. The Eskimo Joe frontman is once again stepping out on his own with his forthcoming second record entitled Machines of Love and Grace. In today's episode, we're speaking with Cav about new single Graduation Day, getting back to normal touring and love letters to cities. Here we go. Our guest today is the frontman for one of Australia's most loved bands, Eskimo Joe. Having previously stepped out with a solo record in 2018, he returns next month with a brand new one entitled Machines of Love and Grace and has in turn released a brilliant single in the form of Graduation Day, which features Katie Steele. All right. Uh, please welcome to This Song Is Yours. Sorry, please welcome back to This Song Is Yours, Cav Templey. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having us back. <laughs> My absolute pleasure, Cav. Thank you very much. Um, Firstly, before we do dive into uh, anything too deep about um, what is currently going on with yourself and, and solo music, I do want to say a very quick thank you. You were very kind uh, enough uh, in October 2020 to be our very first guest on this podcast. Um, and so uh, I think that did help when people were asking who have we had on and, and who has kind of uh, been on the pod. So thank you very much for uh, for back then, for opening some doors for us and just also being an absolutely lovely first guest. All right, good, excellent. I'm glad I, I made the podcast. I wait, I'll wait for the uh, royalty check in the, in the mail because as we know, podcasting <laughs> is where the money's at. So. <laughs> there is a good $3.48 coming your way, yes. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Now, at, at that time, we were talking about Eskimo Joe. We were talking about Say Something, but today we're here to talk about yourself and uh, the new solo record coming out from you and the new single, Graduation Day. So firstly, congrats on this single. It is a brilliant, brilliant track. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm uh, really happy how it all came out. There's always a, a scary moment when you're writing and recording a song because, you know, starting an idea is easy. You know, you play it on the guitar and you're like, yeah, this song's great. Um, and then you start to record it and then there's always a moment where you're like, yeah, it's kind of a little bit shit compared to how I heard it in my head. Um, and so you have a kind of free fall moment. And then somehow in that moment of sheer, you know, oh my God, don't make this terrible. Uh, you end up doing lots of work and the song comes together. So um, I had a moment with the song when I was like recording it, I was really happy with the writing of the song. And I actually called up Joel from uh, Eskimo Joe and I was like, hey, can you have a listen to this song? Because I'd 
I think it's there, you know, like I, th- uh, but I'm not sure. And, and he had to listen and he was like, oh yeah, you know, just put a bit there and make that bit happen over there. And, you know, he gave me some uh, production dynamic uh, ideas and I was like, oh, of course, you know, and then, and it all came together. It is a, um, it is a lovely new track and it does feature um, another well-known Perth artist in the form of Katie Steele. I'm I'm curious, firstly, I want to know how she kind of got involved in the track, but I did hear in my research kind of came across the fact that at one point Katie was going to be part of Eskimo Joe or part of the touring band of Eskimo Joe around maybe a song as a yeah. city era. Yeah, we had um we had this great jam room um out the back of our house uh when we were living behind the Beaky Tavern um in Beaconsfield. And um, there was lots of bands jamming there and there was, you know, um, End of Fashion and um, who's Katie's, Katie's boyfriend at the time was in End of Fashion and then Sleepy Jackson was there as well, who's Katie's older brother um, and, and a bunch of other bands. But uh, Katie was kind of hanging around and, you know, uh, you know, brilliant. We were doing some shows together where she would um, accompany me doing acoustic shows and I was writing the songs for Songs of the City at the time. Um, And she could play piano really well. And I I was saying to the guys, oh, you know, we should get Katie, you know, to play piano with us because she can play piano well and she can sing and it'd be great. And Somewhere in the process, she showed us um, the songs that would become the first Little Birdie EP and all of us were like, who are we kidding? You need to go off and become a musical goddess. <laughs> Don't join Eskimo Joe. That would be the worst decision of your life. Uh, and luckily she listened to us and um, and so Little Birdie, the band that she was in, kind of formed in that back shed. Those songs ended up getting demoed there and then you know there was some record company interests and away she went. It sounds like it kind of all worked out as it was meant to, but I'm I'm glad that there's kind of been this reconnection now because the track seems to work beautifully. Katie obviously does have a very unique voice um, and I know that Australia absolutely loves that beautiful timber of your voice as well. That It is a beautiful melding of two voices. Um, yeah, how did she then get involved in, in Graduation Day? Uh, well, I guess we were kind of hanging out a bit because she's moved back to Perth and part of the thing of making a solo record is you spend long periods of time in a room by yourself wondering if what you've done is absolutely rubbish or genius. And um, at a certain point, I just called up Katie and I was like, ah, you know, can you come and help me work on this song? Um, and she did. And the song was already, the storyline was really about uh, you know, the fact that if you live in Perth, it's just such an isolated place in the world. And especially during this whole lockdown COVID period, it's felt even more isolated. And it, it really opened up my eyes to, you know, the people who were living here and who had been doing the same old thing they've been doing for years. And really how, especially being a musician, you had to leave Perth if you really wanted to make something of yourself, like no one was going to come in and discover you. So, I was telling my story and then, you know, Katie had also left and gone to New York for a while and then gone to New Zealand and then lived on the East Coast and finally, you know, found love and made it back to Perth and was really happy. So we're both telling these, you know, similar stories uh, and it was just, you know, again, when you're sitting in a room writing by yourself, it's just such a joy to have someone come in and be able to jam with you. And me and Katie have sung together so many times over the years. It was really great to, you know, create a moment where we could actually do that, you know, on record forever. Yeah, of course. The The record that you are referring to, this second record from yourself, is Machines of Love and Grace, which I believe is out some point in September. 
Um, yeah, what, has September it been like? 11th or 20th or something. I'm not sure. Oh, beautiful. So very, very soon we'll be able to uh, get our hands on it. Um, this this second record, I feel like the the first solo record is always a little bit of a, um, there's a little bit more anxiety, whatever you kind of want to call it. But I, I feel that the second one is a little bit easier. How, how has it been this time around recording and, and I guess getting everything ready? Yeah, the, I think you're absolutely right. The first record, I, I think I was trying to work out who I was uh, as a musical act outside of Eskimo Joe. Um, and that that can end up having a lot of overthinking that goes into that. But I was really proud and really happy with my first record. Whereas this album, I, I really haven't stopped and thought about it at all. I just, you know, I was at home... Uh, I, I knew that I wanted to make, I was writing songs and last time we spoke, you know, I was writing a bunch of these songs, wondering whether they were going to be an Eskimo Joe record or a Cav Templey album. And we did a couple of songs and th- I guess the way that Eskimo Joe work now is they're very much like, you know, it used to be I would present a bunch of songs and they would turn into the Eskimo Joe album. And now it's really more about, you know, we ha- we have to sit down in a room together and write a song from scratch. And so I had all these songs already written and I was like, well, that's not going to happen with these songs. So uh, I guess it's going to be a solo album. And it, yeah, it was much easier. And everything happened by necessity because it was during the lockdown period. So a lot of it was recorded at my studio in Fremantle and a lot of the musicians who played on it are just, you know, the people who were around in Fremantle who are all great musos, but, you know, they were you know, just the people who live down the road. <laughs> and, um, uh, and you know, again, that all... And even, you know, the, the title track, Machines of Love and Grace, has got all these great percussion sounds on it. And that's because one of the guys I, I share the studio with is a percussionist. And I was like, hey, do you want to play some percussion on this? He was like, sure. How about this? How about that? <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so it was all done by necessity. But there's something really beautiful about um, this album is, you know, when you have endless options, like you're like, oh, I could go to this studio in LA and I could record drums there, or I could go over here and do my vocals in this place, or I could write with this person over there. When you have no no options, all you have is like just literally, you know, five kilometer radius from your house. Um, it's quite refreshing. You just go, cool, all right, let's just get down to it. And um, the album feels a lot more effortless in effortless in its um, uh, delivery this time around. I think. Would you say that, because I know that when kind of really focusing on a place or really being, I guess, having a place, what's the correct phrasing of this? Being enamoured or absorbed by a place. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was trying to make make it make sure I was not sounding too weird when I said it, um, that it can be a bit of a love letter to that city or to that place. Would you say that this new record is somewhat of a, yeah, a bit of a love letter, a bit of a... Uh, your versions of Springsteen's uh, New Jersey or whatever it may be. Yeah, there's there's a bit of that going on. I mean, I definitely touched on those themes massively when uh, with the album A Song as a City with Eskimo Joe was was definitely that for me. It was really about, you know, living in Fremantle in my mid-20s. Um, this, I don't know if it's like a love letter to Fremantle where I live, but really what it is is it's more of a, a reflection of what I was going through mentally, physically, and spiritually during the whole lockdown period. I managed to not get the lyrics uh, an unprecedented uh, moment in time. I I didn't get those lyrics into the album and and that's okay. But it really was about 
documenting this unprecedented moment in time we were living through, um, which I think is a really important job for artists. I think we should write about what's in front of us. Um, it's it's the only way that I like to, um, you know, uh, process information is when someone writes a record about it or creates art around it. That for me makes sense. Um, so I was just trying to do my job and, and document everything that was going on without being too like, and then we got the vaccination, you know, I wasn't writing COVID the musical, (laughs) but, uh, but I did want to touch on some really important subjects, which I think are universal and, um, and some of them are kind of brand new universal subjects like the title track is about you know, the fact that, you know, we have these phones and we live this very intimate relationship through these phones now. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I was having drinks with people on our back porch and we were all in lockdown and, you know, it was, it was, you'd, the connectivity was amazing. But at the same time, you just find it like a packet of delicious crisps or something. You just, your brain switches off and the next thing you know, you've clicked on the Instagram app and you're looking and like, what am I, why am I looking at this again? You know, and, and you just, you find yourself casually stalking someone. It's, it's, it's weird, man, but like we can't live without it. And it's quite an intimate relationship we have. So that's, that was one of the themes as a, there's a, a song funnily enough called Last of the Wine, which is, uh, my, um, my my mother-in-law asked me to write a song about domestic violence because she was saying there's a whole lot of domestic violence going on through this lockdown period. All these people are locked in houses with each other when normally they'd be able to just, you know, get away. Um, so she kind of gave me this article which had all of this, you know, um, all these facts of, you know, what had happened with domestic violence. So I started to write this song, you know, based on my own experience of being stuck in a room with a piano and and not being able to get out of my room. Um, but yeah, I tried to kind of just touch on those themes of alcoholism and, and domestic violence without being too heavy about it. So, and, and the list goes on. Anyway, there's, there's, the songs kind of really document all the stuff that was going on at the time. And, and I hope that it stands up as itself as a piece of work, that people listen to it and go, that's a cool album that can exist in any moment in time. But but I'm proud of the fact that, you know, I, I did my job as a as a musical journalist and got to document what was going on. Yeah, of course. Well, I look, obviously, um, I haven't heard much of the album as of yet, but I imagine that there will be a number of people who will feel that, who will think that you have documented it quite well. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, I know that you mentioned before in that first album, kind of working out who you are, outside of Eskimo Joe and then this one it was kind of just doing what came naturally to you I guess when you're writing songs like that and you're trying to work out for this record um yeah trying to create and and write lyrics to to these brand new songs is there is there much of like a If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Not a fight, but like a trying to work almost against yourself and trying to just go with the flow of, of letting these songs happen naturally. Or is is it that you you have to kind of find certain parameters to make it sound like a like a cab song not an Eskimo Joe song I think I did that more with the first record whereas this time around I just was like fuck it I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play instruments and I'm gonna sing and it's gonna be what it is and I and I, I think I've just rested on my uh, the history of who I am a bit more and just gone, you know, and this is the music I like and this is the sounds that I like and there's probably some familiar sounds in there where people will be like, oh, that sounds a bit Eskimo Joey, but that's because I'm the dude from Eskimo Joey. You know, I, I write those songs <laughs> and, and I'm doing a lot of the production work on that as well. So um, the same can be said for, yeah, anyway, with it, with this record, I just really, tr- I just didn't overthink it. I just sat down and didn't think, well, I need to capture like a perfect, you know, early 70s guitar sound for this one. So, you know, I just, <laughs> I just wanted to really showcase the songs more than anything else. Uh, I wanted to make, I always try and make the, you know, the best sonic sounding record I can. I always, my, my theory is that it's got to sound like you've got to be able to press play on it next to your, your favorite albums and it should sound like a similar beast, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, it was refreshing not overthinking everything. 100%. I think, um, what was the record recently? I don't know if you're across the the record by The Smile, which who had... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. And it's when people like, The Smile sounds too much like Radiohead, and it's like, well, because it's three of the guys from Radiohead, so of course it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the... Um I look. I th- I thought that was uh, refreshingly fun that record, and it and it just proves that those guys are just tragic musical lifers who'll just keep putting out records whether <laughs> anyone wants to listen to them or not. And thankfully, you know, people do want to listen to them. Um, at the moment, I believe that there is uh, that. Sorry, there are some to a date for yourself. You're doing a bit of uh, what what is billed as part one of the tour. Uh, you catching up with some regional cities what can people expect from some of these shows and can they expect to hear some of these new songs as well yeah i'll be playing a bunch of the brand new songs so everyone will get to be the litmus test for this album i'll be able to see what songs are working and and what songs don't work and there's still time if a song just goes down really badly every night i'll be like well let's take that one off the record uh but uh no, I'll play a bunch of new songs, some of the songs from my last solo record, but also, um, you know, playing songs from the Eskimo Joe back catalogue 
in the style of what they sounded like when I first played them to the band. Um, and a really good example is a song like Foreign Land. When, when I first wrote that, I was in New York and we played, played this big gala in New York called G'day USA. And we were about to walk down the red carpet when a very official looking man came up to me and said, oh, just let you know, Heath Ledger has just died. And we were obviously very taken aback because he was this very young, talented guy from Perth, Western Australia, where we were from. And turns out he died, you know, streets away from where I was walking that afternoon, you know, in the East Village. And I was really affected by it. So I sat down with my acoustic guitar and started to write this song, which sounded more like a ballad. It was this really sad kind of, you know, this guy just died. It wasn't. It wasn't meant to be a fun song. But then when we got home, you know, we we'd been playing to these really big crowds, and and as a band, you end up adapting to who you're playing to. You're like, so the so the bigger the crowd, the bigger the song. You know, things get bigger and bigger. And so the guys were like, okay, we need a big song. And I was like, how about this? Uh, and so we just sped up this ballad that I'd written, and it turned into Foreign Land, which is you know this huge bombastic Led Zeppelin kind of number, um, which is great, but. I'm really excited to be able to play what that song sounded like before it became, you know, the song that people hopefully know and love. Well, 100%. Even as you're kind of telling this story, I'm just uh, thinking of the lyrics and they now take on a whole different context with this story and with that kind of um, piece behind it. So I'm very curious to kind of see, yeah, how some of these songs were, I guess, the, the original interpretation. Yeah, so there'll be a bunch of that. And, uh, you know, the beautiful thing about playing solo shows uh, away from the band is I can tell really long-winded stories. <laughs> and there's no band <laughs> mates behind me going, Cav, start the next song. Uh, so uh, uh, that's that's part of the show as well as the extremely long-winded uh, uh, stories. I've also got for the lucky few who get to make it to the theater shows that I'm doing. I'm doing some pub shows and, but uh, I'm trying to get into as many actual theaters as I possibly can, just little theaters, because I've got all these um, really great visuals that I've edited together and they're, they're taken from old turn of the century silent horror films. And I've just edited them together in this, into this kind of weird David Lynch dreamscape. And and that kind of projects on the background (laughs) while I, while I play along and it's it's, it's very moody. That's very, very cool. I am, I am looking forward to, to trying to get along to one um, and we are going to put the link in the show notes as well so people can purchase tickets for those. Beautiful. I think last time when we were speaking, um, it, again, it was late 2020 and I think that the, the next show you were going to play was for Eskimo Joe, but I believe it was on a revolving stage <laughs> between four different areas. Yes. And so I'm curious how that played out and if it's a going to... I guess how how it's how it's going now. The return to playing live gigs, and if there's any more revolving uh, apparatus on the stage with you. Well, yeah, that was hilarious because, yeah, they'd worked out, um, they had this festival called Good Day Sunshine and they'd worked out that they could put 1,500 people or 500 people or something in in each section. So they got this revolving stage for all the bands to be on. So they'd be playing to all these different sections. And I think it was literally one of those, you know, uh, those just car display things that they have in, you know, um, 
car showrooms. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we, were, we, were, we, were, we were driving there and it looked like it was about to rain and I, was, I felt like, you know, World War I, I was about to go over the, you know, uh, over the trenches and be, you know, gunned <laughs> down. Uh, but we got there and because uh, and, we're also playing acoustically, which is not really, you know, an Eskimo Joe thing. Um, but we got there and played this show and it was so awesome like as you as you turned you just kind of like lose uh, eyesight with the with one group and then you'd make <laughs> eyesight with the next group and then i got off stage and i was like i don't know if i can do a show without a revolving stage now uh, I, I really <laughs> felt like i was embracing my inner bono it was it was great fun uh, but no that was the the first and last revolving stage i've been on but i'm open to more revolving stages uh i did feel really sorry for xavier rudd who had traveled all the way from wherever he lives on the East Coast um, and quarantined for two weeks. And when he got on stage, the power just kept tripping and he's got this, you know, 20 didgeridoos in front of him and like, you know, and a djembe and an acoustic guitar and he's playing all of them at the same time, of course. But he's got this really big, long-winded kind of, you know, shine on you crazy diamond with didgeridoos kind of intro going on and the and the power kept tripping and he kept starting this thing over and over again so i was i was like oh man i was trying to psychically tell him i was like just move on to the next song so so that went for about two hours (laughs) the poor guy and he'd like like i said he'd traveled a long way spent two weeks by himself in quarantine and only to have a have the revolving stage bite him in the bum that's, but, uh, sorry, moving yeah. on, I should say, uh, so now getting out there and playing, you know, big live Esky shows again, it's it's an absolute pleasure because uh, I guess music as a commodity feels like a, a much more rare and expensive thing. Um, I think leading up to the, the lockdown um, period, you'd go to a bar and people would be like, oh, there's a band playing. Should we come back later? Um, and now people are like, oh my God, there's a band playing. You know, quick, let's go. It's, mm. I think it's, and <laughs> we played this this really big show the other day in over here in Perth and it was, um, it was for WA Day. So there was like, it, you know, it was like one of those royal shows, you know, Cross with Lollapalooza, basically. It was it was huge. There were so many people there. It was a big free concert and there was us and Birds of Tokyo and a bunch of other bands playing. Anyway, um, I was looking at all these guys in the front row and they were all like, you know, about 23 years old, you know, just rocking out, loving it. And then I, I realized afterwards, if you do the maths, like they would have just turned 18 when the lockdowns happen. So for them, this is the first live gig experience that they're going to. And, and they just look like they're absolutely loving it. So I think hopefully that stays around. I, I don't think the confidence of people buying tickets is still up there yet because as as we know there's still these big waves of covid coming through and it doesn't look good but i really hope that yeah people kind of go out and support their favorite bands because you know we need it man like the industry needs it because you know let's face it you're not going to make any money from doing podcasts or getting or streaming your your music on spotify so we need people to go buy buy tickets it's a really important way that we make money as a band 100 100 it is um both for yourself as the the solo tour and as you mentioned Eskies are going out on tour again uh September October finally because I think they were postponed once if not twice yes um the yeah the 
what are, what are we celebrating? We're it's celebrating a, both it's a Black really, Fingernails Red it's Wine a, and the Song it, of the Sea. It's a long convoluted title. It's Black Fingernails in the City Tour, I believe it's called. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it's yeah, we're basically playing our two albums, uh, Songs of the City and Black Fingernails Red Wine, which are two really important records for us and our fans. Um, and we're playing them in their entirety from start to finish. So if you're fans of those records, then that'd be a cool show to come along to. 100%. My wife and I already have our tickets for Adelaide uh, when you guys do make it down here. Um, oh, fantastic. I realise it's a bit of a bit of an unfair question to ask uh, any parent, if we're kind of using this analogy, but from both records, is there one or two tracks that kind of stand out as as a one that are, one or two that are close to your heart? Look, both of those records are, are close to my heart all the way through. And, you know, I'm sure that when I we finished writing and recording that record and touring it, I probably was like, I'm not into this music anymore. I just want to make the new sound. But um, but now, you know, with you know a few years under my belt, I look back at those albums with, you know, great affection because they were just such, you know, a harmonious time making music. I mean, A Song as a City was a really interesting record because we, we were kind of like musical orphans and um, we'd taken some terrible advice and um, tried to get out of our record deal. Um, so we basically were making this, out, writing this record, not knowing whether it was ever going to come out. We started to record it with our own money. Um, and then even when we had recorded most of it, we we just got our head around recording software. So we went home and recorded like, you know, files and files of music. Um, and then yeah, mix it with a really fantastic chap called Nick Lornay, um, who's done some really big records and he taught us a lot. And then with Black Fingernails, we went in and recorded that ourselves. We got an engineer, produced it ourselves and just backed ourselves. And it was a really um, successful venture. Every, it was a really harmonious time. You know, everyone was getting along really well, pulling in the same direction. Um, and then there's, you know, there's lots of songs on those albums that I love, but you know, if you just, you know, as the dust settles, you know, songs like Black Fingernails, Red Wine and From the Sea are, are possibly two of our most important songs that we've ever written. And, you know, we finish every show off with, um, uh, when we play live with Eskies, um, with From the Sea. And we do this, before we walk on stage to play a show we backstage, we do this thing called the clapping game to warm up where we basically do a competition to see everyone's got to clap as fast as possible and the last person clapping wins. It's always Stu, therefore he's probably cheating. Uh, and then we finish the show off by playing From the Sea and we get the whole clap crowd to to clap along and we, we do the walk the oh, 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 you know, they're both good oh, 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 songs as well. Uh, but we do this oh, 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 and and we the band drops out and everybody else is singing along in the audience and we get them all clapping along and then we get them clapping faster and faster and faster and faster. So we almost kind of finish off where the gig starts every single time. Um, and that's always a great moment and it never that it never gets old playing that song. You know, Black Fingernails, I've played it a million times, still love the song. I don't get quite the same, you know, feeling that I get from uh, probably playing From the Sea because there's just something about the DNA in that song that is that is just Eskimo Joe, I think. 1,000%. The, I think, um, uh, oh, my gosh, my the time frame is a little bit off, but I think there was a maybe last year performance with yourself and Stella Donnelly, uh, sorry, with mm. Eskimo Joe and Stella Donnelly um, at one of the WA museums where you did From the Sea and that I feel like as you just kind of said to not to pinch your words, but the DNA of that song is just incredible because it, it, it just still is absolutely magic. However, uh, where are we like almost 20 years on? 
Yeah, it, it still feels fresh for me playing that song. So that's always a good sign. Always, yeah, always a good sign, and I imagine always <laughs> a, makes it a bit easier for you as well as as the performer, as the the, the artist. Um, Cav, very quickly, uh, usually we would ask our guests what they're currently listening to. If there's a something at the moment that's kind of taking your fancy um, on your record player or streaming service, respectively. God, that's a really hard question. Uh, I would probably have to bring up my Spotify playlist. I do I do listen to a lot of vinyl at home as well. So oh, is this going to actually let me do this? Yes, it is. Um, so let's have a look at what is on my most recent playlist. In fact, I'm a bit... Usually I'm a... I've always got a playlist on the go and I'm probably the furthest behind on my most... I've got one called Sexy Good Times uh, and the reason why that's called Sexy Good Times is because uh, the opening track to my new record uh, is called Emergency in D Minor and it's this like big epic... Um, you know, uh, shine on you crazy diamond synth intro. A couple of things. I know I know this is a long-winded answer, but uh, upstairs from <laughs> my studio is this place called the Synth Lab and they've and it's these guys and they've set it up like a um it looks like the inside of a 60s television show spaceship and it's just wall to floor of synths <laughs> and you can go in and send all of your midi through there and and record all these synths so uh the intro to the the song it, like I think saxophone still has a place, but I I don't get into this kind of ironic 80s sax because that was a bad era for saxophone. But in the 70s, there was some cool-ass saxophone. So in I've I've created a, a playlist to give to the lady who's going to come in next week and play saxophone. She was the same lady who played at the grand final with us, a girl called Erin. Um, and so I've got four songs on there, which are my saxophone songs. Uh, there's Pinball by Brian Prothero. And if you haven't heard this song, it is super cool. It's like he didn't really write that many songs. Uh, he was an actor, I think, an English guy, but Pinball is super cool. Brian Prothero. There's Walk on the Wild Side. It's got a, that's got an awesome saxophone break in it. And it's uh, actually David Bowie and Mick Ronson produced that record um, just post Ziggy Stardust era and it's actually David Bowie's saxophone teacher playing saxophone on that one uh, and then Shine On Your Crazy Diamond yeah, because right. which also at about the 15 minute mark or whatever as <laughs> a great sax solo <laughs> and then in more modern times uh, Playground Love by Air um, is really that same vibe and it's just this super kind of just they, they sound the sax players sound like they're playing really quietly and it's just it's just cool so that's my sexy good times playlist and I don't know if that answers your question but uh, <laughs> that's what I've been listening to it definitely does answer the question and it is sometimes we get you know uh, I guess like new releases or what might be trending if you will or whatever else but I think that I actually appreciate that honest insight into what is currently on your uh, streaming service, and and the, you <laughs> you allowed us to uh, to be privy to your sexy good times. So thank you very much yes. for that, Cap. <laughs> well, now now when you hear the song, you'll be like, oh, okay, I get it. I get what he was trying to do there. So I'm think I'm recording saxophone on Monday, and you can let me know whether I pulled it off or not. <laughs> we will let you know, but Cav, um, as for now, thank you very much for your time today. I do appreciate it. The brand new single is Graduation Day. The new record coming out in September is Machines of Love and Grace. Uh, but thank you once again for coming on the podcast, Kev. Thank you so much for having us once again.
And that's our show. A massive thank you to Cav Templey for his time. Graduation Day is out now, and Machines of Love and Grace is out in September. We've left links in the show notes if you'd like to stream the single or catch him on tour. We also want to give a huge shout out to Nadia at On The Map PR for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning. We now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the player's profile on Spotify, and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.